everyone, welcome to another episode of the Grab Lives podcast. I'm your co-host, Trevor Steppen, and I'm joined, as always, by my good friend, John Fargus. We would like to say today that the views expressed in this podcast are not the views of the Los Angeles Fire Department. Today's episode is on the subject of addiction, a very personal subject to John and I, and one we feel is essential in uh, using the Grab Lives acronym at doing an inventory of your life and your actions. Now, addiction is a bit of a harsh word, right? It's an unconscious dependence where if you don't get something you want, you're going to have a withdrawal. Now, what I want to focus on today is that we all have dependencies. And, you know, I've chosen to self-medicate off and on since I was a teenager, right? So in um, connection with what we're always preaching about the Grab Lives acronym is getting honest with yourself. So today's conversation is simply about addressing some of the things that we depend on that no longer serve us and finding a way to transform ourselves into more of a conscious being, into someone who can choose the present moment over self-medicating. So we're going to talk about good choices. We're going to talk about how to regulate our nervous systems in a healthy way. And we're going to talk about simply having practices that truly serve us, serve us in our ability to stay honest, uh, serve us in our ability to avoid having secrets within ourselves and with others, um, and simply making that connection between us and our higher selves. So, John, what do you think are the main addictions that we see in the fire service? Drinking. <laughs> Drinking for 500. <laughs> what about nicotine? For sure. For sure, nicotine. Well, you're bringing up a lot of good points, though. You know, I, I just to kind of go back to your introduction. Yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean? Because, yeah. like, you're, you're bringing up this, this thing, this, this vice that we have on ourselves sometimes. And I think for us as, as firefighters in our field of work, what we want to do is kind of smooth the edges off when we get off work. Yeah. And if we're doing it with a substance, then, you know, it's not healthy. And sometimes that's all we know. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I was in a place for myself for a long period of time, right? Just, uh, would make an excuse to smooth yeah, those edges absolutely. off. And I was kind of manipulating myself to thinking, you know, it's okay to just go home and uh, drink a shot of tequila and then go to sleep. Yeah. And I thought that was okay, but I knew subconsciously it wasn't. And how did you, how did you know that it wasn't subconsciously? Were you hearing voices? Well, first of all, I feel like shit after <laughs> I don't feel good. And it's just a numbing coping mechanism right and no i don't hear voices i think i was disconnected to the highest uh part of myself Mm. which i would refer to as my higher self or my subconscious that speaks to me right and uh that tells me you know what i should not be doing and what i should be doing right and now i have this innate intuition with with myself where i I know i'm going to make a decision and i feel this um kind of this this voice says not wise <laughs> and i'm like oh okay and you and if i make that decision to do whatever i'm going to do and i go against that intuition 
I pay the consequences. Right. In the form of what? Blame, judgment, shame? Yeah, all of it. You know, I just don't feel good after I do something. Yeah. You know, and that's uh, just how it goes. And I just now, instead of going into the logical thinking of things, I I go off to how I feel through things. And Mm -hmm. if I don't feel good, that means it wasn't a good decision. Absolutely. And that's just my pers- my own personal perspective and this pot this podcast on addiction it's not about judgment we're not judging you for all those who are listening we're just bringing a better awareness and based off our own experiences and how we transmuted our addictive behaviors into uh making better decisions for ourselves we feel good when we come into work when we feel good when we're around our friends and families and we're able to make just high quality decisions and high quality living for ourselves. Yeah. That's kind of like my, my gist and all that stuff. Absolutely, dude. And there's so much power in making good decisions, right? We're going to touch on subjects that we've brought up in, in, um, recent podcasts, right? Sovereignty narratives, you know, like you said, making excuses. That was a narrative of mine for the longest time, right? Like I have a difficult job. So yes, I recognize that having a drink is a shortcut to some dopamine, a shortcut to feeling better, but I deserve a shortcut because I was up all night, right? And that's an unhealthy narrative. So it does require more energy, time, and focus in order to connect with your higher self and make good choices that serve you in the long run. But it is it is more challenging, you know, until it's not, right? I, I drowned out the sound of my higher self with alcohol for the longest time dude i couldn't find this guy i could just find my ego who wanted to you know soothe me right and um when i when i started to experiment with sobriety dude i started getting you know bored initially like i was like how am i gonna fill my time you know there was a time in my life where i i always had a drink on a day off Right. And I don't, I'm not going to say like I got hammered every day, but there was, there was very, there was zero days that I was off that I just didn't have a single drink. You know, it it became an unconscious habit of mine. And I remember when I first got sober, um, and obviously I'm not, I'm not sober now. Right. So I want to say that the first time I, I tried sobriety, I did it for 30 days. And what it helped me do was start asking myself, will this drink serve you, right? Just after 30 days of clarity, I was in a completely different headspace to not just like pour a drink unconsciously, but to have an intention behind having a drink, whether it was like a romantic dinner out and I ordered a cocktail or let's say it, you know, it just went well with dinner or whatever, but it wasn't just like unconscious behavior. So the first time that I experimented with sobriety, it was 30 days. And the first week, dude, I was bored as shit. I was like, how am I going to fall asleep right now? You know, because I was so used to just passing out. But the beautiful thing that came out of that boredom was uh, like a creative spirit, a curiosity, like um, more of an intuition about how to connect with anything besides my ego, right? My inner child or my higher self. I started, I started hearing him very shortly after getting sober. So, yeah, dude, I mean, I think all of us fall under that category of, you know, like I said before, smoothing those edges off. Cause when you get off work, you're just on edge. Right. And you want to give yourself some type of coping mechanism to just stop it. And it's, it's just hard to find that balance. And so we're giving these, 
exercises and awareness to shift that for everyone. Right. And remember, when we're doing things here, we're switching behaviors and paradigms and different ways of thinking. That's all it is. Mm-hmm. And we're switching from this addictive behavior, which is unconscious, going back to the old patterns and things that you're just conditioned with and switching it to conscious behavior, conscious intent. Yeah. So with that, if you want to have a drink, not a problem. Just be conscious with yourself. Be like, hey, do I, is this going to be good for me right now? You right. know, I'm on edge. And if I have a drink right now, is it going to help me or is it going to uh, take me down to a lower level? Because right. it is, alcohol is a depressant. Absolutely. So for myself, I was forced into sobriety by having my concussion. As I had my concussion and I was still kind of drinking, I realized it was actually harming me from my recovery. Right. So I have been sober ever since and completely sober for at least a year. And then after that, I would go on vacation. I would have maybe a glass of wine, high quality wine, or maybe like, uh, like when I was in Costa Rica, I had like a cocktail, but you know, when I have it now, I don't really desire it anymore. Mm. So it's different for me. I mean, I just, I was sober for such a long period of time where now when I do drink and which is very rare, I just don't really like it as much. Yeah. It's just, Isn't it's that weird. something? Totally. Dude, dude, I thought I loved drinking until I took a break from it. Right. And I was like, this shit's giving me anxiety. It's yeah. slowing me down. Uh, the saddest I've ever been in my life was at a time of heavy, heavy drinking. Right. You know, it was postponing my problems. Yeah. It wasn't addressing anything. Yeah. And, and I went to study on what alcohol was actually doing to my brain. And it actually disrupts like the gray matter in the brain mm. and it kills neurons. And I was trying to rebuild neurons through my concussion. Right. And if I was counteracting that with alcohol, it wasn't going to work. Right. And it actually will, it does a lot of harmful things to the brain. So and not only the small things that I described, but I just went to studying so many different parts of the brain. Not saying that I'm a specialist, but I did my, my work and, and really dive into how to fix my myself mm. and how to fix my injury and how to recover. And it was like a deep dive into a lot of different aspects and it's really skyrocketed me and springboarded me onto this path I'm on now so I can help people and just bring the awareness and back it up, you know? So one of the things with addiction is that it accesses the mesolimbic part of the brain. And this is referred to as the reward center. Mm. And the reward center, it will actually loop itself back to itself and create a condition. And what a condition is, is when you're having a circumstance that affects you and your behavior and your style of living to where it becomes a behavioral pattern. Right. And I just know I can give an example. I mean, I used to make unconscious decisions all the time. And before I switched my, my paradigm of thinking and for myself, I had this, this habit of, uh, eating a, a bag of trail mix unconsciously. <laughs> so I, I found myself there. One, one time <laughs> sitting on my couch, like, eating a whole bag of, of trail mix. Yeah. And I, I was kind of looking at myself. I zoomed out a little bit. And I was like, what am I doing? I saw yeah. myself as like an ape, just <laughs> sitting Indian style, like on my couch, finishing a bag 
I'll show him I start chocolate <laughs> over my face. That's such a great image. And I was like, who am I? <laughs> oh, you're disgusting. Yeah. Like, who, what is this behavior? Yeah. How did you just wake up to the fact? Of <laughs> I don't know, dude. I just zoomed out a little bit and I, I saw a little bit of humor inside of it and yeah. I saw a little bit of like unconscious behavior at the same time. That's so funny, dude. I've been a <laughs> snacker my whole life. Right. My family calls me the finisher because I finish everyone's fucking snacks in their pantry. Awesome. Yeah. And like, you remember the shining, uh, Jack Nicholson like gets stuck in the pantry and he wakes up with like empty cans and bags around him. All my friends when we were watching The Shining were like, "Hey, it's Trev." Nice. <laughs> but Dude, I yeah. was also I was a smoker for ten years. I smoked cigarettes. Yeah. And um, so there's something about that that loop of you know like I I noticed you know when I quit smoking right I was still doing like you know hand to mouth mm. fucking bag of Doritos you know <laughs> just like <laughs> chain smoking a, nice. a, a chips you know. So. Yeah, I mean, it, it, think about a reward center, right? When and I, I know for you and myself, we always talk about it. And this this conversation has been brewing up for a, quite some time because we've talked about our afflictions, our addictions, and the way it's created unconscious behavior. Yeah, and uh, you know, for myself, you know, I just would, I would strategically make this like um, way of. Uh, sticking to my my addictions or my drinking problem absolutely and it was like a thing i i would i would scheme for mm. myself i'm like oh after i do this i'm gonna have a drink and yeah. just to reward myself after this good behavior of cleaning my room oh, or yeah, yeah. <laughs> or whatever no for real dude and like i dude it's so funny when i used to smoke cigarettes i was a, a bartender and I, I worked at the door a little bit right and uh, my mentor right who owned the bar he told me that um his co-owner didn't trust smokers and I was like, why not? And she and he said, because um, they're always putting themselves first. Ooh. You know what I'm saying? Like, if if it's a matter of like someone taking a break um, who doesn't smoke, right? Like he's gonna take a shorter break than someone who needs an extra cigarette or something, right? It's a selfish behavior. Right. And I remember that like kind of fucking, I, I heard that and I was like, oh shit. You know, <laughs> I felt a bit of shame for sure. So, um, yeah. And that's, dude, that's another subject I want to bring up today. Okay. is like the narrative. I agree, dude. I was like a chemist, you know what I'm saying? I was always trying to like get the perfect buzz and that dude, that feeds into my sense of self-control, mm -hmm. right. Or just controlling my environment. And, um, I've, I've admitted now on this podcast before I was a control freak, dude. I don't know if that's a double Capricorn thing or just like a giant ego, but I was controlling everything how, how do i feel right i was like okay i'll take this pill i'll drink this you know i'll drink this alcohol um you know i'll go sit in the sun but like it was just like i was curating just like this environment that just wasn't real you know what i'm saying i i, I wasn't present at all i wasn't receiving what life had to give to me i was only receiving what i what i put on the the menu for self-medication that day so i had to adjust my narrative right because i was serving myself and it wasn't my highest self right so i remember dude even at a young age i got prescribed uh lean right like liquid hydrocodone when i got my tonsils out and i was 14 and i put myself on like a little schedule you know and i followed that schedule so that i could get it to last the whole summer you know what i'm saying and so right there you know it's it's so funny to look back and think like you know i never thought i had a drinking problem because no one could tell that i was drunk you know what I'm saying? Like I, I hit it so well. I wasn't sloppy. I wasn't aggressive. Um, I, you know, I never got a DUI. I never made like 
terrible decisions, but I was, I was consistently making decisions that were numbing me. Right. And and if you spot that behavior, it's like, okay, now the awareness is the first step. Now we always preach a lot about integration. So in an effort to strengthen my intuition right now, when I get messages like that, when I feel like shame and that's a marker or a red flag for me, I, I connect that with an action hmm. because if you're in the habit of ignoring this awareness, you're literally wasting a gift. So right. if you're aware of your dependency, congratulations, that is something to be extremely proud of. Right. And like we often skip past self-awareness, but we're all drawn to that character who's not aware, right? We've been watching Parks and Rec and, you know, Leslie Nope is like a Michael Scott, you know, she just doesn't see what we see and it's hilarious. But if you have self-awareness, be proud of that. You know what I'm saying? Like John said earlier, no judgment today, right? We're, we've been down these roads and um, we all admit that I have a Zen in my mouth right now. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm, I'm very dependent on nicotine. So uh, just do yourself a favor. And if you have these repeat messages that are coming up, that this is no longer serving you, experiment with taking action. You right. know what I'm saying? Yeah, and it, it's important to just switch the patterns of thinking. And awareness is just so powerful. And when you bring the awareness to the self and you ask questions to yourself instead of, just diving back into the same patterns over and over and over. It's just, um, it's beneficial to you. It's going to create a different way of living. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're, we're here to do is, and we've been in these positions before. I mean, for myself, I would, when I was on probation, I used to drink alcohol by myself and listen to uh, one of my favorite bands called death, which is a death metal band. Mm. I used to get really angry and I would just like finish a bottle and I'd polish it off and just listen to whatever album it was by death that I really liked. One of them is called Spiritual Healing, which is a really weird paradox or a paradox of an album to have a death metal yeah. called Death called Spiritual Healing. <laughs> <laughs> but that was just one of my things I used to do. And I used to look, look forward to that. And it was just really strange because it was just basically numbing myself and getting into that aggressive behavior. Mm -hmm. And I kept that uh, kind of behavioral pattern for a, a bit and then even after after probation right and i found myself drinking and then i'd wake up and drink a bang in the morning and go to work and that yeah. was just like terrible for you and i remember i going to this fire and it was just a behemoth of a beast fire <laughs> and i drank a bang that morning <laughs> and i was super dehydrated yeah. and i told myself i was like okay hold on a second here this is a problem. First of all, the energy drink just dehydrated the shit out of me. Right. And the drinking. And I really, uh, I took a conscious effort to not, not drink hard alcohol anymore. Yeah. And I actually tapered off into uh, just drinking like a, a seltzer, you know, one or two. And that was yes. actually a huge step for me is to take a, a bigger, um, bigger part of myself to just at least taper down uh, from my behavioral pattern of my own drinking. And on top of that, uh, I stopped drinking energy drinks. I haven't drank any energy drinks since, uh, I think 2020. That nice. was like my new year's resolution that year. Sick. So we're trying to make ourselves feel great in how does this correlate to behavioral health? A lot of stuff right. correlates into this because how can you, 
you know, keep yourself from ending up in this pit of, you know, where you feel like you're helpless or hopeless. Well, it starts with your behavior, your decision making. It all leads up to this. Right. And there's all different pieces of the pie that's that's relating to this. Like we talked before, having your sovereignty, having your your checking in with yourself, having different practices that are helpful to you. And this one's a big one. It's making better decisions and understanding the power of choice. The power of choice is very important because we have free will. And as free will coincides into what we choose, now you're able to really shift things mm-hmm. based off a decision. And if you want to make a decision, that's fine. But there's always consequences to decision or there's gifts to a decision. Right. And that's how this universe works. It works off cause and effect. Everything you make and as, as far as like a conscious level of, of making that choice for yourself is going to have a direct result. That's just the way it works, man. Yeah. I want to go back to what you said about um, mineral water or like a seltzer that is dude i've heard from guys that are sober now that is the substitute so if you're you know trying to break a habit of of having a beer try some mineral water you know there's all different types of brands we like liquid death there's a bunch of flavors um, but i've seen that it's a consistent substitute for a lot of people that are experimenting with sobriety for the first time if you dude i was a bartender if you want to go out to a bar and appear like you're holding a cocktail get a bitters and soda that's what i do do bitters and soda is delicious it's um like a digestif it'll calm your stomach and it looks like a whiskey soda um and so no one's going to ask you hey why aren't you drinking you know I, i can't guarantee that but you're going to, you know, appear to be having a drink, right? Yeah. And if, if liquid death is listening to this podcast or maybe like a, maybe someone who's a representative for them, please sponsor us. (laughs) (laughs) We're looking for sponsors and liquid death is, uh, we're, we're highly supportive. (laughs) Yeah. Long time customer, (laughs) (laughs) long time customer guys. We want you to, uh, to tap in and, uh, we're willing to support you if you support us. Right. Right. So, Um, dude, I love what you're talking about as far as shifting the paradigm, shifting the way that you, um, write your narrative and the way you think, because it's scientific. The way that I quit smoking cigarettes after 10 years was a buddy of mine who smoked for twice as long. He gave me a book called the easy way to stop smoking. And, um, even that is like super careful with the language, right? It doesn't say quit. It says stop. So it's empowering you to take your life back. And it's, it's a, it's an amazing book and it's like a, you know, worldwide bestseller because, um, in the book, it talks about how you can continue smoking as, as long as you're reading the book, but by the end of this book, you won't want to smoke. And that's exactly what happened for me. It just completely changed the way that I thought I was giving myself that I, something that I wanted, but truthfully, like the last two years I smoked, like every cigarette came with anxiety or shame or this like feeling of like, I I shouldn't be doing this. Um, and so what it did was it, it put it into a new perspective for me, basically saying that like, I don't want to be doing this, right? I don't want to be a servant to my habit. I want to serve myself and, you know, my best good, my highest good. So um, it was actually one of the easiest things to do was to, to quit smoking um, after reading this book. So obviously I'm still a fan of nicotine. I've just kind of changed forms, um, but 
experimentation. You know what I'm saying? I like to do a lot of 30 day challenges. I was, I was drinking way too much coffee, dude. And Lee always gives me shit because my coffee drink is a large iced Americano. That's it. It's been that for the last five years, just black. And, um, it's a lot of coffee. It's a lot of caffeine. dude. I just, I start my day with four shots of espresso. I mean, it's right. like not a small order. And, um, I was just noticing that I was, I was reacting differently to it. I was having adverse effects. I was feeling nauseous. You know, I just like my stomach felt so acidic. So in December I did no coffee for 30 days. I just drank tea. And then I slowly started to work back into coffee. But each time I would ask myself, have you drank enough water first? Have you had something to eat? You know what I'm saying? I just wasn't like an unconscious, like, give me that coffee. And so these 30 day challenges really help put some power back into our perspective. Right. And I really, I just want to um, offer that as a, as a, as a way to, to experiment with sobriety, whatever you're dependent on. Do you, right. dude, do 30 days, no porn. I swear to God, if you, <laughs> dude, if you take a break from porn, you will not crave it anymore. Honestly. Right. I mean, I don't want to generalize that. I know how every man uh, feels, you know, based on my own experience, but I know for me, when I stopped watching porn and I put all of that sexual energy into my partner, and when I put all of that fantasy into real life, you know, having a conversation about, hey, let's do uh, some role playing. I mean, I'm working out of house tomorrow, dude. I might turn outs in my car. Like, Leah, <laughs> there will be an emergency at my home later tonight. You know what I'm saying? Wink, wink. So you That's can have mean. fun, dude. You can apply this shit to real life. Um, and for me, right? It all goes back to what we say on this podcast of living in our hearts. You know what I'm saying? Porn, dude, that's in your head, right? right? That's not connecting you to any form of like physical um, love or, you know, um, connection with another human being. It's all in your head. You're right. just, you're feeding yourself junk food, right? Right. And you're malnourished because w w we need connection, dude. We crave it. Right. Um, pornography is a big one. It's a huge one. And dude. it's, it can be very taboo for people to hear and like, Oh my gosh, you start talking about pornography, but not really. It's important to bring up. It is. It's, I was just seeing this study on, on pornography, pornography and what it does to the brain. Mm. And it's very harmful. Like it, it creates dopamine levels that are, um, like you're never going to obtain this level of that dopamine. So you're always trying to seek it. Yeah. And if you're keep, doing that and you're in a relationship with a with someone you really love you're actually harming them because you're not going to reach that level of that dopamine response with them mm. and so it's unfair with this uh you know whatever unconscious fantasy you want to create for yourself you're not ever going to obtain and reach this level and it's just a very unconscious decision that i mean if you're going to do it be conscious about it and then see how you feel Right. It doesn't feel good. I've talked to some guys with porn addictions and they always feel shame afterwards. Well, yeah, because it doesn't feel good. It, and if you think about uh, everything is energy and vibration has a low frequency, something like pornography is a super low frequency. Yeah. That's why you don't feel good because it, it's taking you down to a lower frequency. Right. And think about our minds are like an operating system. Okay. Whatever you feed it, it's going to transmute it in so many different ways. Mm -hmm. So many different ways of thinking, so many different ways of how you perceive your reality. Yeah. And I, I always bring up quantum physics. So for some listeners, they may this may not resonate with you, but for some, it might. This universe is, is made of energy, whether you like it or not. It's not made of matter. Right. And so if you think That's of everything, fact. it's a fact. And 
So if you think of everything as a concept of vibration and frequency, that's what we're made of. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to uh, have behavioral patterns and addictions to low frequency things, it's going to bring your frequency down. Right. So what you want to do is transmute that and ascend to higher frequency things. Mm-hmm. So replace it with a low frequency to higher frequency. And it's just that's just the benefit of the doubt, right? Yeah. And what's important too is so with alcohol for instance they call it spirits right yeah because they say you're a vibrating at a lower frequency with alcohol because it's a depressant mm-hmm. and people act a certain way because a spirit comes over them that's why they call them spirits yeah uninhibited right wow so it's pretty interesting it, people see like uh you know a liquor store and it says wine spirits and you're like why does it say spirits right <laughs> that's why and um so what we're trying to do is just shift the your your frequency, vibrate high. Yeah. Find things that are going to be beneficial to you. Right. And a lot of these things are distractions, right? They're distractions to keep you from finding your truest, highest self. Right. And it's this this whole spectrum of what we call the matrix. And when you think of the matrix, everyone goes back to the movie, right? And oh, yeah, it's important to understand what the matrix is. And I was watching this documentary called Heal. For all of you who uh, are listening, check this documentary out. It's beautiful. It is uh, basically how illnesses and disease manifest through our thoughts mm-hmm. and how you can change things. And it's a, it's a wonderful, wonderful documentary. It's on Netflix. It's okay. powerful shit, man. And what they talk about is that, you know, you are creating a reality, right? Mm-hmm. And this this thing, the matrix, it's real. It's, a, it's something called a default mode network. Mm. And it's this it's this spectrum of something that's a programming you have. It's it's uh, basically a software system, and it keeps you from obtaining yourself to think outside the box. And it keeps you within this mode of like routine right. and negative programming. And whatever you feed your mind, it's going to receive it like like a computer. And that's how we're hardwired. Yeah. And what's interesting too is like with the Matrix. It, it puts you in a place where you're basically like this, uh, you know, in a, in a slaughterhouse, right? You're on a conveyor belt, you're going to the slaughter. And if you take that perspective, like you wake up, drink your coffee, go to work, come home, mm. drink a beer, go to sleep, repeat, come to the weekend, weekend warriors, let's go out, let's get some drinks. All right, repeat, week. Yeah. All right, now the next year, now the next year, now the next year. It's like, whoa. I know. That's like, you're seriously making unconscious decisions and you're going into the slaughter that's that's what that is it's the matrix yeah and if you can escape that you're you're willing to be like neil inside the matrix and you're you're stepping out beyond the self to be your highest being to save people from being in this behavior and if you rewatch the matrix again and you keep this in, in your mind, you're like, whoa, this movie is actually really powerful shit this is our oh, reality I love that trilogy dude I mean holy shit yeah uh, it's so, you know, this is just a perspective of mine. You know what I mean? It's not your truth. It doesn't have to be anyone else's, but it's very fascinating to look at it like that. Dude, and I've heard from so many listeners that Wolf opened up their eyes to plant medicine. And right. that's the thing, dude. It's like, you're using this analogy, but I think most people can resonate with the idea of waking up. Just like, you know, Wolf was using ayahuasca to describe the experience of connecting with yourself. Right. You know, so even if you're not signing up for a ceremony, a lot of people are intrigued and curious about the idea of connecting with themselves. Right. Just like when you tell me this, dude, I know the feeling of waking up. 
I know the feeling of finding practices that serve me more than a glass of whiskey. Right. You know what I'm saying? I've been meditating a lot this week. I've been spending time in the sun. I've been swimming. You know, a guy that we work with, I, one day we were on the rescue and he was like, so what do you like to do? And I was like, well, I love the water, dude. And um, he was like, oh yeah, I like, so what'd you do yesterday? And I was like, I, uh, I went to the pool. And um, he was like, so did you swim? And I'm like, yeah, kind of. But what I was doing was I'd bring like cut waters down there and I'd bring a playlist and I'd just get drunk in the sun. And he was like, dude, getting drunk by the pool is not swimming. <laughs> and I loved him for it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. He called me out on my shit and I received it. And um, obviously I'm preparing for a promotion right now, but like I found swimming, um, you know, swimming laps and it's become such a, a passion project for me. And it, it's a high vibration. It's a different frequency than just like, you know, I love, dude, if I'm on vacation, of course, I'm going to listen to music and have a margarita and like, you know, sit by the pool. But I was serving myself in a way that like every day was a vacation. And that's not real life. You know what I'm saying? Right. I was such a control freak. I was like, okay, I worked a hard shift. Today's, you know, play time. And that's not a, a space to receive life's lessons and opportunities and challenges, you know, and that's, I was blinding myself to, um, just more of my potential. And so, yeah, dude, uh, alcohol is just a funny one for me. Cause it's so, uh, accepted, um, you know, in society, right? Like during the pandemic, everything was closed, right? You know, you might've lost your job. You can't buy groceries. You better Lysol them if you can find them, but <laughs> don't worry. The, the liquor store is open, right? <laughs> dude, that's fucked up. So not to beat up on alcohol too much. I mean, you know me, dude. I still enjoy a drink if I'm going to a wedding and there's a dance floor. But that's very different to me than um, coming home from a stressful shift. And instead of taking a cold shower and you know rolling out and stretching and meditating, I just go straight to, I need to fix this right now. And I'm going to do it in the form of numbing myself with a, with a cocktail. Yeah. It's just a bad choice. And I, you know, I've identified that for me personally, it's a bad choice. Without a doubt. And everyone, I mean, that's what we preach is like, get to know yourself, be honest, and then hold yourself accountable. I mean, without a doubt, dude. And if you think about alcohol too, it's technically poison. You could go to a liquor store and buy two bottles and you could kill yourself. Yeah. And drown yourself in your sorrows and numb yourself to the point where you'd actually harm your body to where you could die. Right. Without a doubt. Right. And that's why it's a low frequency. And you are frequency and energy, no doubt about it. And you are, uh, you're basically energy that is striking a chord that sings you into existence. And there, we are all awakening out of a collective sleep at this time. Absolutely. And as we are awakening, we're realizing that there's better correlation to the access of the self. Mm -hmm. And once you make those connections and you dive deeper into yourself, you're really acknowledging the true, truest parts of yourself. And once you do that and you start accessing that part of your being, you're going to have those points where you're going to be doing things that you used to do mm -hmm. that does not resonate anymore. Right. Which is important to understand and if you if you continue this work or this relationship with yourself and you dive in deep there's a lot to discover and the beauty of it is so amazing and now you can live your life with awe mm. and there is this 
movie called The Fountain. I don't know if you've ever seen it with Hugh Jackman. Yeah, Darren Aronofsky. There is this quote at the end of the movie, right? I don't want to spoil it for anybody. It's a very powerful movie. It's been out for like 20 years. Yeah. They would have seen it. (laughs) It's it's an amazing movie. But at the end of the movie, there's this quote, and it says, uh, you are on the road to awe. Mm. And that really sat with me for years. And I just remember, like, my life is this road to awe. And when I all my experiences correlate to that, how can I find wonder and beauty in everything, even the bad things, even my shadow, even things I'm not proud about, if I give them the love and attention they need, yeah. I'm really shifting myself into a, a better aspect of who I am. Yeah. And when I can, you know, lift the veils upon those things and those aspects of now, the shame or the regret, the resentment or the grief, the anger, all those things, those are beautiful. Absolutely. I'm happy that I can feel so deeply about myself. Yeah. And instead of, you know, shoving it under the rug or um, being shameful and hiding that part of myself, I just uplift them and I put them on these, I would say, I wouldn't say pedestals, but I put them up in this higher regard of, of acknowledging them. And now, since I've done that, I really find myself to not bring shame into how I see myself. Now I see beauty in the awe and love of who I've become. And ever since I've done that, things that don't resonate with me anymore, and we talked about what resonating is, right? It's you're striking a chord that vibrates to the the end of the guitar, you know? Mm. And once you play the guitar and it sounds good, that's resonating. You're making harmony and balance with the self. And so when I do things, like I had mentioned, like, that don't that aren't good or the things I say or the behaviors I do, I look at myself, I'm like, that didn't sound right or that didn't feel right. Right. And instead of, you know, shaming myself or anything like that, I just make a better decision later. That's awesome. Like, you know? What a way to live, dude. I'm very proud of you. And it's been, I've said this before, it's been a, an amazing thing to witness. Thanks, you man. You know, because not everyone does it. And, you know, two years ago, or I, I don't know, around two years ago, I started living differently. You know, and it was hard, dude. Yeah. It was hard at first. And I, dude, I'm very sympathetic to what you said. I'm sympathetic to anyone who's struggling with dependence, you know, mm-hmm. because I've been there. And when you talked about regulating yourself with alcohol and energy drinks, I mean, our bodies are trying to do that naturally, right? Yeah. But we live in a fast paced world yeah. where instead of, you know, meditating or doing breath work for an hour, you're just going to have a drink. You know, and instead of waking up and taking a cold shower and, you know, telling yourself affirmations, you're just going to have an energy drink. And we have a sympathetic nervous system and a parasympathetic. And our vagus nerve is trying to regulate us and bring us down. And the thing that we've seen a lot in our line of work is hypervigilance. And dude, if I had to pick sort of like a, um, a complex thing that I was addicted to, and I might still have some form of dependency on it's that hypervigilance it's that always being on you know what i'm saying and so uh just having to learn how to put myself to sleep with with the use of breath work right i mentioned that dude i'd have a few drinks i'd pass out you know that's not a healthy way to um regulate yourself back to like a neutral and you know obviously if you're not in harmony if you're having to use these substances to regulate yourself, that's a problem, right? Without so, a doubt. And, and, you know, I say this with all like, you know, um, humility, you know, like I'm, I need coffee in the morning. Like this is not like 
I'm free from, you know, all of these substances that aid me, you know, but it's just about learning how to categorize them in, in the form of hybrid, high vibration versus low vibration, you know, what's serving me and what's really causing trouble in my relationship. You know what I'm saying? If you're, dude, if you're hooked on porn and your, your relationship is, is not soaring, you know what I'm saying? Like do yourself a favor, give that shit up and start putting all of your sexual drive, all of your lust for intimacy into your partner. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's sacred. It is. It's a sacred practice that's really been demonized and bastardized by our society. And just to go into the energetics of what that connection is, you're making a connection with that person with your body. Yeah, and your and spirit it, and your it, emotions. I mean, yeah, all of it. All of it, all together. And I mean, I can go even deeper with like energetic levels, but you're seriously connecting with that person. And when you keep it sacred, there's a much more beauty involved with that connection. And what's powerful about it too is that you're able to really um feel as one with your partner or one, as one with you know the person you love right. and they could feel it too you know what i mean and when your mind's elsewhere and making oh, yeah. fantasies that's yeah. that's palpable right with that person if they're conscious and they're connected and they could tell the difference yes. you know what i mean and, and i don't know shit it's like this this seems to be taboo but it's not it's important topics to bring up and it's if we distract ourselves constantly, how are we supposed to bring in awareness? Right. So, and I, I was telling you earlier that uh, distractions for me, I always think about um, Zoolander in the yeah. movie when he's getting hypnotized. <laughs> right. And you have um, that song, Relax, Come On. Yeah. And it's like, relax, don't do it. <laughs> and he's like, oh, I like this song. <laughs> and like the woman's sitting there, she's like, shut up now. Yeah. And like this video comes on and, and the Mugatu's kind of like dancing and he's like, Derek, don't be distracted by the celebrities. Kill the prime minister of Malaysia. And he's just like, okay, I'll do it. And yeah. he's like, he's just, and then he kills him, or whatever, like that mannequin or whatever, and like yeah. bites off the, the head of the prime minister of Malaysia. <laughs> but dude, that movie was created to show like how like models and celebrities are, they're, they're groomed to be manipulated you know, and distracted. And we're it, the same way, right? We're, right. We're all as human beings being hypnotized you yeah. know, by media and hypnotized by, uh, you know, Instagram or whatever. You yeah. know what I mean? You're everyone now these days looking at work, right? You know, everyone's looking at their phones, mm -hmm. right? Without a doubt. Yeah. Remember, I'm guilty of it too. I'm looking for sometimes dude, when I'm holding the wall at a hospital, you know, I'm looking to escape. Yeah. I don't want to be in the present moment. For sure. And I, like I said, I'm very sympathetic to anyone who's self-medicating to avoid the present moment. I get it. The present moment is scary, dude. We're, we're, most of us are trapped in the past and the future. But the present is where the magic happens. Right. When you talk about the road to awe, dude, and before I started connecting with the present, you know, and being mindful of my like feet on the ground in this moment, you know, forget the past, forgive the past, forget the future, forget all the anxiety that comes with what's coming next, but just sit in the moment. Dude, that's the most blissful state that I've ever connected to where I have this like childlike wonder where I'm not just going through life a rat race of like, I've seen it before, you know, I have a, a gist of it. I'm just going to get drunk. Without a doubt. What, dude? I mean... Yeah, I mean, think you talk about the present moment, right? Yeah. And the past leads to depression, and the future leads to anxiety. Mm -hmm. So if you sit in either of those scales of the timeline, and you sit within the present moment, you're able to find that bliss. Right. And that's what uh, Buddhist monks try to attain. Yeah. They say this, this famous quote, it's like, be here now. 
because within this moment you're able to find nirvana and the highest truest part of yourself right of which we're all trying to obtain Mm -hmm. and we talk about too like how all of us just want to be comfortable in our skin man yeah we want to just be feel good and Mm -hmm. be able to operate at the level we're supposed to operate especially us as tactical athletes yeah you know what i mean i mean that's what we are we have to get up out of bed within seconds put our shit on and go on top of a roof and cut into a, a roof to to do our operation or right. go inside of a burning building and put our shit on with under a minute and then put a fire out. It's pretty intense. It's intense, dude. Yeah. And recently I thought about just how dangerous our job is and how busy we've gotten and how sleep deprived we are. I mean, yeah. these are tough operations tactically for like a clear head, let yeah. alone someone who's been up for two days. Yeah. So you want to regulate yourself to vibrate high. Yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean? At, yeah. all, at all aspects of, of your being. And we talk about this thing of wellness, right? It's like a term we use within our fire department. It's like, do your wellness. Yeah, get wellness in, for sure. It get wellness in, but what does that mean? It means a lot. And it's not just working out. It's yeah. diet. You know, it's making conscious efforts on the choices of what you're going to eat. It's, you know, staying away from energy drinks. Yeah. And that's, you know, wellness is not discussed on a on a on a bigger wider scale of, a, of that view you know what i mean i got a good wellness quote this dude just sent it to me i just worked with him i haven't i haven't seen him in a few years i just worked with him fucking amazing to catch up and he just sent me this it goes if you don't make time for your wellness you will be forced to make time for your illness <laughs> how good is that brilliant right without a doubt so get ahead of it you know what i'm saying yeah. a lot of my um substance abuse was like reactive you know, and like it, dude, I have to make good choices to, to not end up in a spot where I'm like spinning out where the only thing that's going to calm me down is a fucking Xanax or a, a bottle of booze, you know? So, um, yeah, reactivity can be counterbalanced with receptivity, mm. you know, being, being willing to receive whatever it is that's, that's in your, in your present moment. Yeah. And I think we talked with Wolf on the last podcast about relaxing and receiving, that's part that's not what that's part of what letting go is yes and dude i i i'm guilty of having this hyper vigilance that i learned in childhood from a feeling of not being safe so as i've gotten older right and i've stepped into my new power of incorporating all of myself even the parts that i didn't love um there's a new strength that comes with that and um there's an accountability as far as um realizing that I totally forgot where I was going with this. Dude, these allergies are kicking my ass. (laughs) Oh, okay. I got it. So I had to remind myself, and this is a part of choosing your narrative correctly. I had to tell myself I'm safe. Hmm. A lot of my actions and decisions were a child feeling unsafe. You know what I'm saying? Right. And so I get it. It's, It's scary. It's, you know, sometimes this, this trauma lives in you and it's like a feeling of being unsafe, but like not knowing how to, uh, receive it and channel it and use it to, you know, transmute this feeling. Right. And that's how I felt as a kid. I didn't know anything when I was a kid. Now I'm a mature man and, you know, I'm, I'm on this quest to, to figure myself out. Right. How do I show up as a partner, as you know, myself, as a future father, I'm just way more motivated. So I had to remind myself, dude, you've, you've downloaded new software, you've updated. So you're safe, you know, relax, you're safe. Right. And you know, and that's, dude, I, I speak to myself in a very basic way, you know, and a lot of times it requires that sort of simple affirmation for me to really like change my mindset, 
you know, because the first time uh, we miscarried, dude, I, I was on a bender for like two days. I mean, and that's so embarrassing to admit, dude. I was just like, I had never been rocked so hard in my entire life. Um, I had never put so much faith into something and had it be tested. And um, I was not my best self at all, dude. I wasn't showing up for Leah in the best way possible. And luckily for me, dude, I've always been someone who just didn't want to completely, you know, disappear into oblivion. I've always like, I've always touched bottom and come back to the surface. And so I fucking quit drinking after two days <laughs> and I, I showed up for her and we got through it, you know? Yeah. And, um, and that's the thing is only, you know, where that bottom is, you know, but I want to challenge you if you've been sitting at the bottom for so long that it now looks like the surface, then you got it. It's time to recalibrate. Yeah. And, and if you, the best thing to do as well is get support from people who are not going to judge you and people who've always also have been there. Yeah. And that's really beneficial is when someone is able, you're able to talk to and be open and discuss what you're feeling mm -hmm. and someone who's going to support you in a way of, of, you know, being able to meet you at your level of understanding and being able to also coach you in a way of shifting your perspective on how you're going to be able to change. Uh, that support system is really important. I mean, that's why when people go to AA meetings, they yeah. have to have a, like a sponsor. Right. You know and what dude, I mean? Sober people sell the shit out of sobriety. I mean, dude, there's people <laughs> like, I mean, I'm not that into Hollywood anymore, but there's famous actors that are famously sober yeah. and their careers fucking took off once right. they got sober. Right. Like very few people are like, yeah, I really miss drinking. Maybe the first, I don't know, little while, but like after that, dude, they're hooked on this new drug, which is clarity. <laughs> right. You know? So, it's worth experimenting with for sure, you know, but, um, yeah, me personally, right. I like looking at it as uh, dependence because I was cutting too many corners by saying, well, you know, I'm, I'm giving Narcan to fentanyl addicts all day. I'm not an addict, you know, or am I right? So right. I was being too kind to myself as doctor and patient. Um, and you know, that self-discipline, um, really, is, is sort of a muscle that you need to train, right? Because I was in the habit of always making excuses. Well, if I'm not aggressive, what's the harm that I'm doing by drinking? Right. And the reality is I'm, I'm not harming anyone else. I'm just harming myself by, keep, by numbing myself, by postponing all my problems, you know, by not addressing certain things that are begging to be addressed. Right. And everyone knows <clears throat> firefighters drink. I know, it's right? And it's like it's like a stigma. Yeah, and it's like a, firefighters and cops drink. Yeah, they drink a lot, right? And uh, dude, it's funny it's when you get to that. For right? this, you know, when you get to, when the holidays come around, what what is the first thing that comes up on the portal? A message by the chief: Please don't drink and drive. Yeah, it's like yeah. <laughs> everyone knows that we're drinking. Right. It's not a. It's not like a like anything that's that's not known. Right. It's very common, and like I said, we're not judging here. We're just telling you, hey give yourself the ability to just check in and is this the right decision? And obviously like don't drive. It's worse. We go on these gnarly accidents all the time where people are drinking and driving. It's like, yeah. you know, in your, in your back of your mind that you could kill someone without right. a doubt. And, um, you know, when you, when you reach these patterns of behavior and you just change them, it's just different, but it's a stigma that's on us. Yeah. And that everyone knows about it. Yeah. That guy with a bad back who's taken, pain pills and right. you know a guy with a bad marriage who's drinking 
I mean, that's the thing, dude. Pentel's is another one. I was I was in a bad marriage, and I didn't I didn't have a, a relationship where I could you know speak about the things I was feeling. So I stopped trying, and I would just drink in order to kind of like drown out the the feelings that I had. Hmm. Yeah, pain pills. That's yeah, a huge one. I know it's prescribed by a doctor. It's okay. Yeah. I um I I always liked them, you know. I remember finding like a hydrocodone when I was fifteen. No, maybe not that young because I I didn't do pills in high school. But like maybe I was I don't know nineteen twenty, and um yeah I was it, for me a pain pill was a way of reducing my anxiety, you know, because we've talked about high functioning anxiety. Like right. I've never had a panic attack, but I've always felt on edge. And so it was a way to reduce that feeling, you know, but now I'm in a place, I'm 37. Now I'm in a place of like, okay, if I feel anxious about something, I'm like, what is causing this anxiety? You know, I'm like right. really like a, an archeologist as far as like uncovering what's, what's at the root, you know, yeah. and I, I'm I, like, I'm lucky that I'm in a partnership right now where I can discuss these things. Like, you know, Leah and I are expecting, so we're going to move. Right. And it's dude, moving is so stressful. And, um, yesterday I found myself reacting to my anxiety about moving by just like straightening up. So I immediately jumped into the sink and started doing dishes. And then I was making her breakfast and I had like a million things that I was juggling. And I told her like, Hey, I'm just kind of getting to know this feeling of anxiety. And obviously I'm distracting myself with all of these tasks, but I'd love to talk about our plan for moving as soon as I'm done with this. And that sort of transparency I've had to learn how to do. And obviously this girl holds space for me, you know, she doesn't just shoot me down, like get over it. <laughs> so well, she makes you feel safe too. Like, you talked about that. Yeah. She validates me for sure. And in our household, if you're feeling anxious, I've had to learn to not fix it. You know, like if, if Leah says she's feeling anxious, anxious, you know, part of me as a man and you know what I do for a living, I'm always trying to like fix it, you know? So I'll, I'll remind her that, um, oh, there's no reason to feel anxious about that, but that's not validating her anxiety, you know? So I've had to learn how to like take a moment just to hold space for her and hear her and, and see her and say, right. I, you know, I, I receive that you're feeling this way. And then when, when it's, you know, time to transition from comfort to action, then we can come up with a, a solution. But initially it's just all about validation. And that's the thing, dude, I've had a lot of guys reach out to me, um, in reference to past podcasts, you know, and people are finding different things to connect to. Sometimes it's being off injured and drinking. Sometimes it's like, okay, how do I decompress before I walk through my door and show up for my wife and kids? Right. And that's, you know, for me, the, the greatest, um, the, the greatest reward for having done all this work is really connecting with uh, my partner. Did you always impress me with your connection with Leah? Oh, you thank know, you. And I, I'm still holding my own relationship with Haley and my connection with her. Yeah. I mean, with me and Haley, like we read each other's minds all the time. Our birthdays are like three days apart. So yeah, yeah. it's almost like I'm dating myself sometimes. We both make fun of that, that yeah. concept because like we'll just finish each other's sentences and all that stuff. And like, I, I'm, I'm so intuitive with her and how she feels right? Uh, that I can just read her mind. She doesn't, she doesn't have to say one word yeah. and I know what she's going through and I'm, I'm still, you know, letting myself give her the stage to make her feel heard and make her feel safe. Yeah. And since I've done that, our relationship has bloomed so much. Yeah. And especially after, you know, for her and myself, we've done a lot of deep work together and we realized sometimes we were like hitting each other's core wounds and it was like a, a battle sometimes. Mm -hmm. You know, like we'd reach some highs and lows together 
and it was really powerful stuff because we had worked through it absolutely by transparency yeah. and when i would make her feel safe and loved and accepted and you know letting her speak and giving her that 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 moment of of letting her feel trusted yeah it really created like a ripple effect within ourselves on a multi-dimensional level and it's just it's really important to bring that into your relationship and i don't know how i would have um interacted with her if i would have been on this this drinking scale you know because oh, I, I, right? I was a different person before absolutely there's no way that i could show up for leah if i was drunk all the time yeah. there's no fucking way and dude it's it's awesome to witness you guys and you, you guys are you know you have qualities that are similar for sure but it's like having a child right that you want to avoid them making the same mistakes right. but also respecting and honoring that they, they're on their own journey right exactly they have to learn these lessons for themselves you can't rob someone of the process right and that's that's something i had to learn you know is like not rushing in to fix things but holding space and just being support Right. Just being support for her to figure these things out for herself, right? Without a doubt. Because I don't often, you know, uh, you know, when I speak to my mentor, we we trade back like who's the expert today. You know, sometimes I've got a little bit more knowledge and wisdom on a certain subject, and sometimes he does. But we're really just it's not it's not like getting a playbook and like here's here's all the the cheat codes for your life that's not what a mentorship is at all right. for me it's a guy that's older than me who has kids that are older than you know my future family and who's who's lived a life you know and he's willing to enter into a space of vulnerability with me and i'm seeing a real human and i'm seeing a human how he navigated this with grace and resilience and strength you know what i mean and it's empowering he's not hey trev this is how you gotta handle this he's just hey this is what i've done this is what i've learned you know and it's that sharing that you know none of us are experts but we are storytellers and so when guys ask me about okay how are you showing up for your partner i'll say okay you know like i had to, I had to learn how to breathe because i've got a i've got a mean streak you know and if i feel defensive i'll say something mean and then i'll pay for it three months down the road you know i'll have to earn trust back so for right now dude i breathe i remind myself i'm safe I don't react. I don't get defensive. I don't make comparisons. Dude, I was a fucking idiot. When a partner would tell me that they're tired, I would say, you think you're tired? <laughs> right. Like a fucking asshole. Right. And now I'll say, me too. I'm tired too. We're on the same team. What should we do about it? Nice. You know, comparisons are, are terrible. Don't keep them out of your relationship. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, dude, it's so interesting you're bringing that up because i mean i do the same thing with Haley. like i had this uh pattern of teasing girls that i liked when i was young yeah. right and for it some, worked it right worked that is, that, for yeah, some for reason <laughs> but for in a relationship it doesn't work so much no, i mean I'll, I'll tease her in a way where i think it's funny right and but it, it's 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 hitting a uh, and striking a chord for her where she's like, mm -mm, not the time or place. And right. then she gave me this look. Yeah. Like, and I'm like, oh, I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have right. said that. Right. But, you know, now I make more of a conscious decision. But I know when I get off work, I'm used to the banter uh -huh. at work. Uh -huh. And I'm used to being in that flow that I think it's okay to bring Absolutely, home. Absolutely, <laughs> I'm just I've used to there. it. Yeah. And I think it's, it's, a, it's a good way to express myself when it's not. Right. And it blows up in my face. I'm like, why did this blow up my face? Wait, I wasn't being kind to her, making her feel safe and accepted. I'm actually digging into some some things that were actually pretty deeply harmful by thinking that I was kidding with it. Yeah. So now I'm seeing that more now 
that's something I'm working on myself. Amazing awareness. It's just, it's, I was sarcastic for a long time, dude. It's very <laughs> passive aggressive. For sure. It's dude. a form of aggression, right? right that's what is. we always, I always say, dude, anger is healthy, but transmuting it into aggression is unhealthy. Right. So get a, get in a place where you can sit with your anger. And dude, I've, I've been there, right? Like, I mean, the banter is so fun, dude. A sense of humor at a fire station is a fucking gold medal. Like, right. you know, it's it's something to be proud of because we see a lot of dark shit, right. you know? And so being able to laugh about it, being able to talk about it is super healthy. But obviously we come in, you know, um, the fire department's a bit of a boys club and we, we come in with that that immature kind of locker room vibe at home and it, it just doesn't go well right and so yeah dude i've had to learn it like okay when when am i when am i turning this off you know and like lee and i dude we we joke around a lot dude we're always making each other laugh but i've had to learn that like okay she's not the same audience as the fire station and i right. will dude i will say this right if you're up four times six times after midnight you lost a lot of battles recognize that feeling Okay, because I'm competitive. If I got my ass kicked and I lost a lot of battles, what do you think I'm looking to do? I'm looking to tip the scales. I'm looking to win a battle. And I don't, (laughs) dude. So recognize that. For me, I'll I'll let her know. If I got beat up, um, I need to go for a swim. I need to sit outside and stretch. I need to win a battle within myself or else my ego is going to try a shortcut and win one, you know, a cheap one at home at the mercy of our my relationship dude i mean that's a great awareness to have and i think a lot of times you were teaching me about that Mm -hmm. and how i operate i mean i'm so sarcastic that people don't know if i'm serious or i'm kidding same dude i get rookies that look at me for fucking like 30 seconds after i say something to them and i'm like they're trying to decode whether i'm being serious or not right and that's comes with a bit of my blueprint i can appear aloof Right. You know, and that, having that RBF resting bitch face. And I'm really working on that part of myself because it's unconscious, right? Yeah. And I've lived like that my entire life. And I don't want to be perceived as an asshole. I want to be perceived as someone that can be uh, open to share your, your experiences, share yourself. Yeah. And that's really important about our human connection is you want to have someone who you can go to and trust so we can have this know common communication line and being able to connect on a deeper level so we are all operating together as one in unity yes and it's important too to to do that with your partner and being able to not really uh do things unconsciously like like you know creating a banter that doesn't work when it's when she's not ready right or he if you're a woman but we talk about the boys club right and i'm always just curious um because we're hiring a lot of women who work in our department who are amazing yeah i just think how how must they feel being in this environment like within the banter and stuff like that and and chiming in and things like that must feel kind of awkward and um, i always give such a high regard to these women who step into this this path of Mm. life and this feel because I, i just it must be so difficult to jump into a boys club and you know wanting to work within being accepted and all that stuff that's really tough dude yeah yeah i've i've you know had the pleasure of working with just a handful of female females and it's uh it's different for each of them for sure yeah you know some are threatened by it some are um provoked by it you know some are uh you know competitive in nature and that's dude that's what i want to kind of harp on for a second is just like you know recognizing that you lost battles like being competitive is a good thing you know right. what I'm saying? Like I said, having a sense of humor is a good thing. Like 
when you're doing inventory, when you're applying the grab lives acronym to your own mental health, realize that we're not, we're not asking you to completely tear down this house and rebuild. You know, there's going to be things that you like that are, that are, uh, honored and celebrated. Um, but just pay attention to where they're celebrated. You know, like I've, I've discussed with Leah, how being analytical and being, um, decisive and being, um, confident are great qualities at work. They are celebrated at work for me to have an authority on scene, you know, and delegate and, and, you know, do, do the right protocols and also like, um, calm the family down. I mean, that's, that's an, uh, an amazing skill set. But when I come home and I'm trying to apply the same techniques and I'm, I'm analyzing and I'm doing size ups, you know, and I'm jumping to conclusions and I'm being too decisive without considering my partner's perspective. Now, these are qualities that I, I need to put to rest, you know, and right. so not every arena is the same. So yeah, shifting that is a greater awareness. Absolutely. So I do want to honor all of us for having the courage. You talk about female firefighters. Yeah, it takes it takes courage. It takes um, strength and uh, bravery to walk through these doors and participate in a traditional boys club. And these are amazing qualities. And we're not asking you to give up these qualities, but just be aware of when you're applying them. Yeah. I mean, talking about being a chemist, right? Yeah. If you can find the chemistry of your being and balance everything out, yeah, that's the most important thing to do. You now are becoming an alchemist beautifully to create your being and, and discovering your best qualities, your yeah. lowest qualities, yeah. and bringing them together as one. Yeah, and highlighting your your lowest qualities first because right. that's what brings better awareness to become the superhuman being mm. we are all supposed to be. Yeah, and with alchemy comes like the beauty and in, in, in discovering gold. Right, mm. one of my mentors gave me this perspective one time because I was working on a lot of stuff all at once and it was really hard. Yeah, some core wounds that cut pretty deep for me. And he was telling me that an alchemist takes gold and creates it. And as you're creating gold, all the impurities will rise up to the surface and he swipes them away. Mm. And as he's continuing to create this gold, there's still sometimes where things will rise up to the surface again. He's like, okay, time to wipe it away. Yeah. Until that gold comes fully in its present moment and it's finely tuned to what it's supposed to be in that element. Mm. And it was such a profound analogy he created for me yeah because i still work on my core wounds and sometimes i thought that i was done with them and i'm not but it's because these impurities are coming to the surface for me to clear and as i'm clearing them later down the road this beautiful diamond or this beautiful piece of gold will come to the surface as itself yeah i love that it's beautiful dude it's really it's really sweet to to look at it that way dude because i've you know, like my, one of my missions has been to like understand modern masculinity. And the conclusion that I've made is like being an alpha male comes with responsibility. Right. You know what I'm saying? I'm not, dude, I don't want to give up my um, instinct to fight back, you know, but I have to be responsible with it. Right. I have to use it if I'm truly unsafe, not some perceived threat, right? right. Not some trigger for my personal insecurities, but like an, a, a real threat. And so I don't want to lose it, but I have to be responsible of it because what I was realizing was I was reacting to um, every little comment, and I was a you know heavyweight champ in the uh, you know the world for for insults. You know I can be extremely offensive, and um, I was hurting people. You know I was causing harm 
because I, I, I wasn't being responsible of this nature. So if you want to be a true alpha male, understand your impurities, you know, right. and have the, have the, the confidence and the commitment to, to clean it away, right? To swipe it away, like you said. Yeah, I mean, it, be careful with your words. Because Absolutely. you have no idea what your words have an effect on someone or yeah. what they're going through at their time and in, right. in, in their portion of their life. Yeah, bring some compassion yeah. into your being and, and understand that, you know, the things I would say to people, you know, they weren't making me feel good either. Right. I wasn't feeling very proud of, of the way that I was diffusing situations. This happens all the time in the firehouse. Oh, you know big I mean? time, dude. I mean, I, I was going through a really harsh time at a moment in my life where I was working with um, things with my mother, my core wound with my mom, and she wasn't around. She was homeless and on meth in the streets. And I would come home and have to deal with that. And Dude, uh, I'm it, so sorry. That almost made me cry, dude. Just uh, the fact that you've had to address these things. Yeah. I'm really proud of you, dude. You're a strong motherfucker. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. And uh, she's doing great now. I Good. love my mom. And, uh, but I love her so deeply. And it was just really, really tough. And I was actually dealing with it inside the drill tower as well. Yeah. I almost failed out because it, Mother's Day came around and I failed an exam, oh. a manipulative exam, because I was just so out of my head. Of course. And one of the captains brought me aside and was like, hey, man, like, what's going on with you? Like, we really like you. And uh, if you don't make the grades, you're not going to graduate. And then I told him what was going on. He's like, oh, man, I understand. But you know what? You still got to... You still got to um, perform. And I was like, yeah, I understand. What a, what a beautiful uh, analogy of like fire department in a nutshell. Yeah. That was like so well done by him to, yeah. to ask you about what's going on personally, right. but also say, hey, sorry, you still got to get it done. Right. That's, that's our job. That's, right that's there, how dude. it goes. Right. Yeah. And I, there was a moment in my life where I was at this station and this captain really twisted the knife inside me when I was going through this. And what happened for me was uh, I think this relationship with him and myself, he saw a lot of himself inside me mm. and he would say things that cut so deep and it was just really hurtful. And I, I just, ever since then, I always remembered, be careful with your words because yeah. you never know what's going on. And because I feel so deeply, I felt his knife twisting every single time I came across him. For sure. And I just didn't uh, admire that part of, that was true toxic masculinity in my right. opinion. Right. And when you're talking about stepping into true masculinity, it's a balance with feminine energy and masculine energy. And yeah. that's, that's the true nature of what it actually is. Right. And if, if you're listening right now, all, all it is, what I'm saying is you're supposed to integrate the balance of feminine energy by these traits that, which are nourishment, intuition, receptivity, compassion. compassion. So these are the things that, <laughs> right? <laughs> On the same wavelength, man. Yeah. So these are the things you're integrating within the self. And masculine traits that are powerful, true masculinity is responsibility, yeah. ownership, mm. uh, emotional intelligence. Drive. Drive. Being able to listen yeah. and not projecting yourself. And it's it's sad that we're seeing right now there's a lot of um, people who are, are saying there's a lot of toxic masculinity and there's not enough true masculinity. You know, as true masculine, you are a protector. And you make people feel safe in that in that role. Yeah. And that's what this is all about. And within our field of work, people trust us, dude. They call us, we go to their homes. Yeah. And they, they feel protected. Mm. And that's a high quality and a high responsibility that comes with it. Yeah. And it's really beautiful to hold that, you know. And if you use that against other people, 
and use it against others in your in your coworkers and your teammates that you're working with, I mean, it's it's a form of abuse of power and a form of abuse of lack of leadership right. that we're seeing we're trying to change here. And I think it's a lot of um, just old paradigms and old ways of thinking that, that are changing at this time that we're bringing forth, we're bringing up into this this level of awareness to really push this this envelope on hey let's um let's under, understand how we're integrating this here how we're integrating ourselves in the, in this in this field of work you know how how can we change people for the better you know instead of just pushing them aside you know this is just a homeless person this is just this call this is just that this person just having anxiety and depression let's take a step back and analyze it a little bit better and i think uh I don't know, man. It's it's um when we change things and we ch- we stand in our power and true to who we are. That's true power mm-hmm. and that's true sovereignty. And that we discussed in an earlier podcast, and that's how we're supposed to be and collaborate with one another as well. Yeah, and creating change. Like I'm very proud of this podcast because it's all about um, coming up with solutions for how we're feeling. Right. Right. I, dude, I get sick of having the same talk at lineup, complaining about the same things, whining about the same things, corruption, this gossip, that gets old. I'm sick of it, dude. And so if I can, you know, obviously in the, in the last few years, I've been less passionate about my work, but I'm more passionate about the people who do this work. Right. You got to remain in a high frequency. If, if your work isn't, serving you anymore if you're like me like a paramedic but you're sick of going on anxiety calls or dude i got a call for a girl that was hung over the other day i was like what am i doing here so if it's not serving you anymore look to remain at a high frequency what can you do at work to remain engaged remain curious remain um aware and open to life's lessons what are you supposed to be learning if it's not the the patient if that's not doing it for you right now who is it for me it's my coworkers. without a doubt yeah so find something so and something to bring up too is like when we're integrating like the best parts of ourselves. uh i think about the yin and yang symbol right yeah and if you think about it it's it's a white and black Mm -hmm. right it's supposed to be positive and negative good and bad yeah feminine and masculine yeah and the way it works is when you look at it, it, it's a balance between both those energy fields. Perfect harmony. But some people forget to acknowledge when you zoom out a little bit and you see the whole entire symbol, it's a circle mm. and it creates unity as one. They're all one together. Yeah. And that's an important way to look at it. It's, a, it's someone who looked at that and they're like, they zoomed out a bit more to see a different perspective. Right. And I just what it improvise like zoom out on your circumstances sometimes because you can see things differently when you do so yes i mean we i sent you that one video of that comedian one time and he's like kind of making fun of like us humans on this earth right he's like zoom out yeah like you're on a rock in the middle of space <laughs> and it's just so yeah. so honestly true and, and hilarious right like that that's yeah zoom out a bit more to see things differently and to see things from a a beautiful perspective. That was one of our last Instagram posts was I was pissed about the fact that I have to try harder to get medical supplies. And then I zoomed out and I saw unity among healthcare workers working together to make sure it gets done, make sure we have the supplies, the resources we need. Zooming out is a a fantastic technique, you know, because anger for me is like a very narrow focus. Right. I see red, you know, I'm not seeing truth at all and so 
yeah, zooming out is, is super helpful. And that's why, dude, I have to disengage from lineup talks or, you know, just like endless shit talking. I have to go to the gym. I have to go sit with my earthing mat, you know, yeah. I have to, I have to remain sovereign. I can't, yeah. um, I can't let, I can't, sometimes you feel outnumbered, you know, yeah. um, but I, I refuse, you know, cause I have to go home the next day. So I'm, I'm really conscious of my energy. And if, if, if I feel like I'm just like slipping into a low vibration, I'll do something about it. Yeah. And the thing about frequencies and vibrations, the way this works is that like, for instance, if I'm working with someone who's completely negative and pessimistic, that actually starts to affect me in my day. Hell yeah, it does. It's and hard, dude. It's to really block hard it out. to, yeah. Well, you're next to that person and they're emitting this frequency and it's bringing you down to their level. And so what, what you can do is if you're going to vibrate high, switch that, that perspective a little bit and you're both on this wavelength together, yeah. it really changes the way you're operating. I mean, when I work with you, dude, it's like telepathic. Yeah, We do things and the calls run so smoothly. It's, right. it's crazy. Like it could be the gnarliest call and we're working together and it's like, like no big deal. Mm. It's, it's works so smoothly. And it's like, cause we are operating off this wavelength of high, higher vibration and frequency. Yeah. We and know what needs palpable. Absolutely. We know what needs to get done. And I want to say this for, for positive people in general and like just working with, you know, individuals that are calm, cool and collected. There's a mutual respect. Right. <clears throat> and I find that if someone's bugging you, you're so narrow focused on all these things that are bugging you that you're not, you're not working well with one another right we all do this if someone's annoying us right we're just going to focus on the the mosquito in the room you know versus the, <laughs> the entire room you know right. and that's 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 the challenge to me is if someone's bugging me i'm like okay what is it and and why am i so focused in why can't i just zoom out and and you know appreciate the fact that we're both doing a hard job and uh there's a mutual respect there but yeah. like, yeah, I mean, the, the secret to what you're talking about and having a connection and reading minds is having a foundation in communication, right? You know, because I've, I've talked to a lot of guys that that are trying to understand the the difference between expectation and intention, you know. And you mentioned that you can read um, Haley's mind. That's an awesome. That's an awesome quality, you know. But it's gotten me in trouble too. Where you know, if I spend uh, a lot of time at home with Leah, we start to read each other's minds, and then I start to assume that she knows all of my expectations. Hmm. And that's just that's just a recipe for suffering. So what I can do is I can clearly communicate my intentions with her. And then now we're on the same page. So if you do have a connection with someone and you're operating in this space where you can read each other's minds, understand that that's a gift, but it's also a responsibility. So you do have to, you know, have a foundation in very simple communication so that you're not expecting someone to read your mind sometimes you have to be more transparent than that yeah i mean that's important i think we talk about unlike the fire ground and if, if communication is disrupted it really makes the entire uh, oh, the whole incident spiral the whole incident will spiral the whole yeah everything yeah if the will cops go are bad in the first five minutes it's like it'll oh, fail fuck yeah it will fail yeah so set and yourself up without a doubt i mean if you're gonna you have <clears throat> great communication skills with Leah. And it's wonderful to, to even see like when I'm around you and Leah, it's like, Oh, thank you. It's really beautiful to watch. And I admire it. Thanks bro. You know, it makes me want to be better with Haley and my communication level. Yeah. And I know for myself, like, 
it takes a little bit of time for me to get to that level when I get off work. I have to, oh, I have to just reboot same, myself dude. and to make sure I'm being there for her and being open with myself and vulnerable in a state of just being communicative. Yeah. You know, as that's basic. Yeah. You no, know, we'll tiptoe around each other. If I've had a hard day, for sure. <laughs> we don't just jump in, yeah. you know, Hey, everything's about romance now. No, like I'll, I have to ease into it for sure. And I had to realize what I could bring home and what I couldn't, you know, for because sure. there's certain stories I want to tell, you know, mostly good, but, um, yeah, it's a responsibility to recognize that if you just unload on someone, if you just vent, you're literally transferring your energy onto them. Right. So that's not something I want to do immediately when I walk in. <laughs> right. Hey, feel everything I'm feeling. <laughs> right. Nah. So, I mean, I just want to reiterate that there's no judgment in this entire podcast, right? We've had personal struggles with dependence. Um, it's all about taking inventory and realizing what, what serves you and what doesn't. And for me, um, experimenting with 30 day challenges has been an, an, an extremely rewarding process in order to get to know my higher self and have him weigh in on my choices to use or not use certain substances and, uh, pick my practices carefully. Without a doubt. Yeah. You want to touch on any other uh, famous addictions? I think we're, I mean, we're at the point of like the end of the podcast here, but I, I don't know if you want to keep going. It's up to you. You know, I just want to, I just want to make one more point as far as like feeding yourself. Right. Mm -hmm. Cause I, I use the analogy of junk food a lot. Right. So porn is, it's fucking junk food. Right. You know? And then there's real junk food. Right. So when you start empowering yourself to make choices, whether it's diet whether it's exercise, whether it's what you're looking at on your phone, right? Everything that we feed ourselves has a, an effect, right? You know, whole foods, good foods, you know, it, it gives us energy. It makes us feel better, right? There's no crash from the sugar. There's no bloating from the gluten, all this shit, right? So when you start to experiment with optimizing yourself, I guarantee you take 30 days off of porn, put all of that life force all of that sexual drive into your partner and watch them and how they react to how you're showing up in the bedroom just like feeding yourself good food watch right. yourself calm down watch your watch your energy level kind of maintain you know what i'm saying and um you're the first one that got me into shifting my diet really i mean i i stopped eating gluten yeah and i was <laughs> i cut i cut down my inflammation levels completely with with not eating gluten yeah. and, and it's crazy that now I make conscious efforts with my diet. I mean, I don't eat corn anymore. It's an inflammatory right? and it's not processed very well in our gut and mm. same with gluten. It's processed, Yeah, which is weird because when you go to like Europe and you eat gluten, it's way different. Yeah. It's less, um, it's less genetically engineered and doesn't have any glyphosates right. you know, and like pesticides that people grow these mass amounts of, of crops with in the U S yeah, so, I was drinking a lot of wine in Spain and I would never get hung over. Same thing, dude. <laughs> it's yeah. awesome. There's and no you, sulfates. You look at like some of these people in Europe, they all, their diet is like eating bread and drinking wine and they're, yeah. they're thin they're crushing it they're cr <laughs> crushing <laughs> it <laughs> so yeah. but you know for for me it's like i make i made these conscious decisions a couple years ago on my diet even before i had my concussion and now these days if i even you know eat anything that has gluten in it or corn i feel like disgusting right and I, i'm like i can't even eat this stuff anymore because it doesn't resonate with me 
And so, like, yeah, I mean, we have, you always told me this thing, it's called stress eating, right? Guys come to the station and they, they make themselves a PB&J at three in the morning and they eat ice cream. It's like, dude, stress eating, it'll screw you up, man. Yeah. It may feel good temporarily, but yeah. later down the road, it's going to really screw up your gut. You're going to get parasites, all this shit. So uh, there's power in predicting the outcome. You know what I'm saying? Like denying yourself uh, ice cream because you don't want to feel like shit, you right. know, or, or putting something good into your body or dude, like experiment, you know, like I, like I used to say, dude, I used to have like a fucking can of beer next to my nightstand, you know, and that's how I went to bed. I would pass out. Now I do breath work and I wake up feeling like rested, you right. know what I'm saying? And so experiment with these things, you know, and you can do freaking baby steps you know you don't have to cut everything out of your life like you said you're polishing a piece of gold and that gold is you so there's a lot of power that comes in to that it's addicting as soon as you start making good choices and your higher self starts weighing in dude that's a relationship that i want to nurture and what's important too is your uh your mindset if you if you're trying to cut something out and you're you feel like you're punishing yourself Right. It's not going to work. That's so why, yeah, when that, you bring up experimentation and curiosity, it's really going to change your perspective on it. Absolutely. Yes. And dude, amazing what you just said, because that's the entire book that I use to quit smoking. It's like, it's, you're very careful with your words, but it's all about taking the power out of your unconscious habits and putting the power into your conscious self. Right. So don't, you know, obviously you just don't want to be a servant to your dependencies. Yeah. You want to have everything serve you. Yeah. I always say to you, like if you're going to, let's say quit drinking coffee uh-huh. and the entire time your, your thoughts are surrounded around how coffee's bad. Oh, I should do, I should, I want to have it. And it's like this fight with yourself. Your thoughts are harming you more than having that cup of coffee. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's like I said, dude, a lot of the guys that have reached out to me with porn addictions, Porn isn't as problematic as the shame that they're exactly. wrapped in, yeah. you know, and no one wants to feel that way. Yeah. So have the courage to experiment. That's, that's all we're saying. Congratulations for having the awareness that there's certain things in your life that are no longer serving you. And now we're going to, with the help of each other, with, with the power of unity, we're going to start to experiment with the integration of these messages that we're receiving. Well put. Thank you, brother. We can close with that for sure. Okay, cool. Thanks for talking with me, John. Yeah, brother. I haven't seen you in like a week, dude. I know. I miss you, man. (laughs) Me too, man. All right, brother. Let's go do a cold plunge. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds good. All right, everybody. uh, For everyone that wants to reach out to us, go ahead and you can find us on Spotify and Amazon Music. Uh, We're looking forward to really changing uh, how we do things on here. We're going to start putting video quality and um, putting it on Apple we just had some technical difficulties and reach us out on Instagram grad yeah. lives underscore podcast. And yeah, thank you for listening. Appreciate it.